0: Well, it was in the uh, 1960s, and the Beatles were hot. And I remember that because it was during that decade that I went away to summer camp in Durango, Colorado. Although it was a, a camp for boys, there was a nearby camp for girls, which meant weekly dances with a variety of Beatles music. In those days, of course, there were none of the ways in which we stay in touch with one another these days. Obviously, no laptops, no cell none of that. And in a part, because of that, I'll never forget how homesick I was during that four-week-long period. I mightily miss my parents and my brothers and my friends. Do you remember the feeling of homesickness? Did you ever have a feeling of homesickness as, as a child or, or perhaps even as an adult? It's just an awful experience. It's like your heart hurts. In regards to what you try to do, the feelings of homesickness when you're in the thick of it are, are potent. And preoccupy all of your thinking. Homesickness has everything to do with the absence of those upon whom we depend and love. It's a feeling of missing, it's a feeling of longing. But frankly, I think that as I've grown older, there's a tougher experience in life, and that's when we feel that God is absent, or missing, or simply non-communicative. Last week, I began this very short two-part series titled, Is There Anybody Out There? Now, each week is relatively self-contained in terms of content. So if you want to go back and see the content from last week, it's on our YouTube channel. But with that in mind, I'd like to now move on with some other things to keep in mind when you and I wonder, is there anybody out there? Is God out there? And I want to say also that this is a subject with which I still struggle, so I don't don't have it down. These are just some tidbits I'm sharing that I've I've garnered over my 61 years of, of life of how to approach this very difficult subject and some things that I found to be helpful. So let's begin. I've learned firsthand that there have been moments in my life in which God seemed far away, and it was not due so much to God but due to the fact that I had not dealt enough with or confronted some ongoing sin in my life. Sin can affect, I believe, how distant or close God feels. And I find this idea to be both compelling and convicting. Sin, as we know, simply means doing what we want without paying much attention to the impact on other people. Sin means either ignoring God or not paying attention to what we know God would have us do in some particular circumstance. Sin can damage us, our relationship with other people and our relationship with God. And while this morning, don't worry, I'm not going to get into my own sins because they're pretty extensive, I would like to take a look at just an example that illustrates what I mean about sin affecting our relationship with God. Let's say, for example, that I have a hard time being honest My lack of honesty affects my relationships with other people and I begin to experience the consequences of not being honest with people. My relationships are shaky because people don't trust me because they don't trust what I say. So I begin to feel alone and isolated. I find that I'm not even really that honest with God. I begin to wonder where God is and soon I begin to discover that It is me who has been pulling away from God, not God who has been pulling away from me because of my lack of honesty with God. Well, to continue with this example, certainly God's grace and presence and help does not depend on what I do or don't do. But my sin, my lack of honesty in this example, begins to kind of act like earwax that messes up my ability to hear God. It's getting in the way, my Ongoing pattern of not being honest. Saying all of this another way, perhaps, just perhaps, one thing for us to consider when God seems absent or silent is that it may be an invitation to do some self examination, some soul searching, to explore where we might be missing the mark, to face where we are falling short, to be willing to deal with something we've not been willing to confront directly to look at how some of our actions may not be in alignment with what it means to follow Jesus. Now to be clear, I'm not saying that God's absence or silence when we feel it is our own fault, nor am I saying we should chastise ourselves or come down on ourselves. We're forgiven after all. But what it does mean is that God's absence might, be, might sometimes be more of a reflection of an ongoing problematic pattern or some sin which leaves us with a deep sense of disconnection within ourselves because we know we're not who we really want to be. And it might be that we're projecting that sense of disconnection that we feel within ourselves. It could be we're projecting that sense of disconnection onto our relationship with God. Aside from sin, another thing to keep in mind when we wonder if God is around is something I've spoken of before, and that's a willingness to really wrestle with God. People of faith generally share something, especially when God feels far away. They are willing to wrestle mightily with God, with honesty and vulnerability, even great passion. Visualize a sweaty, noising, wrestling arena. That's the image that I want us all to have. To keep in mind that people of great faith, the greatest faith, had been willing to tangle with God because they know God will not break. When we're willing to wrestle with God, it's a great reminder that we're not wrestling with air, but we're wrestling with God. The wrestling itself is a sign of a relationship with a very present God. There's so many examples of this. Job wrestled with God. He challenged God. He asked questions of God. Got into it with God with fervor. But so did Nicodemus in our gospel reading today. Nicodemus at the time was on a spiritual quest. He goes to Jesus, who is God in the flesh, and Nicodemus asks Jesus some tough questions, and Jesus responds with ideas that are perplexing to Nicodemus. And there's so much more to this story, but in part this story is about the fact that Nicodemus was willing, was willing to mix it up with Jesus. And then there's Jacob. Jacob. He's out on the road one day when his estranged brother approaches. In the middle of the night, before actually encountering his brother, Jacob wrestles with God. And one interesting thing about the story is that it's God who comes to wrestle with Jacob, not the other way around. In other words, God initiated wrestling with Jacob. And so sometimes I have to wonder, when we wrestle with God, is it our idea or is it God's to begin with? But regardless, when God's absence is felt, it may be time to do some mighty wrestling with the God that we are missing. Aside from sin and wrestling with God, another thing to keep in mind is the whole concept of the mystery of God. Paul, who wrote so much of what we find in the New Testament, struggled with really big questions. And over time, he dealt with a question that haunted him. Paul wondered what God was going to do about Paul's fellow Jewish people who had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And through this struggle, Paul made two conclusions, one which is relevant to the topic at hand. But the first thing he concluded is that the covenant that God established with the Jewish people was not going to be a covenant that God would ever break, period. God's commitment to God's people would be steadfast and cemented. and You can read about this in the book of Romans. The bond between God and Jews is not going anywhere. Paul was clear about that. But on top of that, when Paul wondered how God was going to deal with the whole issue of his fellow Jews' rejection of Jesus as Messiah, Paul came up with a few conclusions. He believed the whole subject was up to God. And it was during this time that Paul embraces something that was incredibly important and relevant for us to think about. That is, Paul understood that there is far more to know about God than we can possibly ever know, and much about God that is unknown and a total mystery. This is what Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. We heard Jim read today. In these verses, Paul asks, who has known the mind of God? How unsearchable are God's ways? In other words, there's much mystery to God, and we need to let God be God, not get stuck on certain things. So I believe that part of something we need to keep in mind when God feels distant or absent When we're wondering why God is absent, part of our answer perhaps needs to be, I don't know, and I'm going to let God be God. While not easy to hear, especially when we're desperately wanting to feel the presence of God, I believe it can be helpful to be willing to let God be God, let some questions and the need for some answers go, and to accept the mystery of it all. As I think about my own relationship with Jesus over the years, certainly the relationship is where it is in part. Because of having gone through times in which it felt that Jesus was nowhere to be found, and I could not figure out why. But as one person writes, disorientation and other doubts are gestational to our faith. Disorientation and other doubts are gestational to our faith. Said another way, our struggles during times in which we feel alone and separate can in fact be those periods in which our faith actually grows, especially if we're willing to accept the mystery of it all. Something else to keep in mind when God feels distant or absent. I'm not a pilot, but I know that many of us have heard of VFR and IFR flying conditions. Apparently, VFR means visual flight rules, meaning visibility is good and you can see things very, very clearly. IFR means instrument flight rules, means things are not clear. And visibility is not great. So a pilot must learn to fly by the instruments in the plane, not by simply what can be seen. One person notes that it's dangerous for a pilot to trust feelings when flying in IFR conditions as it might feel like you're going straight when when in reality you're headed to the ground. A pilot must learn to trust the instruments more than feelings when flying around in murky conditions. I think it's a great illustration for us in our journey in faith. When things are unclear with God, when we're not sure what God's up to, when it feels like God's not paying much attention, perhaps it is then that we really need to double down and turn to the instruments, not in a cockpit, but to the instruments of our faith. And there's so many instruments of our faith that we can use. While obvious, they're well worth stating. The instruments of our faith include Scripture. That when we feel God to be absent, to open up Scripture and dig into it like never before with fervor and look at what God has to say. When we feel alone and lost to take time to ponder the words of assurance and hope found in Scripture, to look at the promises that God makes, that Jesus makes to us in Scripture when God feels absent, and to focus on those promises more than the felt absence. Instruments of our faith include prayer. We all have ways of praying, but when we feel separate for God, that's the time to explore a wide variety of ways of praying, much more intense, knee-scraping ways of praying, more intense methods of praying, guided forms of praying, to get help with praying, but really to ramp that up in new ways, not just praying in the old ways that we're used to. Instruments of our faith can be reading daily reflections. One marvelous one is a little book, Jim called Jesus Calling. It's fabulous when God feels absent. Instruments of our faith include worship and deciding to go to worship in person or online when we don't feel like it week after week after week. God's presence does not depend on what we are feeling. And our feelings, while God-given, can actually lead us astray. C.S. Lewis wrote, Faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Again, feelings are God-given and what makes life so wonderful, but feelings alone, especially when we're not in a good place, may not be the most helpful guide. Use God's instruments when the presence of God is murky. Something else to keep in mind. It's important to remember that God speaks through the voices of people around us, sometimes in very, very surprising ways. I have a friend who was going through a very difficult time in his job. He was overloaded with too many responsibilities. He didn't take time off. He was working for a huge consulting firm. Lots of people depended upon him, including lots of clients. He was exhausted. He was in a quandary. He prayed to God about what he should do about this feeling of feeling overwhelmed. He prayed to God for guidance. Silence from God, he thought. He prayed more. Silence from God, he thought. His sense of isolation grew and frustration grew. Silence from God, he thought. And it was in the midst of this time that a friend of his said something to him that the same person in fact said to me. But in the midst of this time, a friend of his said something to him. The friend said, maybe, just maybe, this is the time in which you need to be willing to disappoint people. You can't do everything. You can't be everything to everybody. You have too much on your plate. And maybe the way forward is for you to be willing to disappoint others, something you've never wanted to do over time, the fellow not only enacted the counsel he received from his friend, but he realized that God was answering his prayers potently through the words of his friend. This is a great illustration. If we pay attention, sometimes I believe God answers our prayers through the voices of what people say to us. In addition, however, I've come to accept that God also answers our prayers by opening some doors, closing others. Sometimes coincidences are not just simple coincidences. Sometimes when certain people come into our lives at a certain time, it's not a fluke. Sometimes we receive a call, an email, or a text that we did not expect from nowhere. And when God feels absent, perhaps such a time is an invitation to be attentive to the words of others, the circumstances that arise, coincidences that happen, and doors that open and close. These are potent ways in which God demonstrates his presence with us. Just two more things very briefly, and then I'll wrap. First has to do with our mental health. Sometimes our mental health colors our relationship and our experience with God. When we're depressed, feeling isolated, sometimes such feelings can be projected onto how we feel God is relating to us. Grief, anxiety, obsessions, not being able to let go of something, all these things and more affect not only how we feel, what we think others might be thinking about us, but also our feelings and thoughts about God. When we are struggling with mental health issues, as so many of us do, it is not only not our fault, but it could be an invitation from God to seek support, medications, all the things that we know about through the love of God and the help of others. Said another way, sometimes when we wonder, is anybody out there? It could be God saying to you, you are my beloved, and it's time to receive the healing and help and support you need. And finally, there's this. And I've been pondering this phrase because I think it's powerful. A fellow named David Bowden wrote, God is often absent in the ways we most desire, but present in the ways we most require. God is often absent in the ways we most desire, but present in the ways we most require. This makes me wonder if perhaps when we feel God's absence, we're missing seeing the ways in which God is present, because we're looking at what we desire more than what we require. Maybe this is why C.S. Lewis wrote, God wants us to learn to walk and therefore must sometimes take His hand away. In essence, God wants what is best for us and seeks growth for us even when it is not through the manner that we desire. I certainly have experienced this I once was wondering where God was and something hit me. I started thinking that maybe instead of focusing on how God felt absent, that I needed to pay more attention to what God was wanting me to learn, to how God might be trying to direct me, to how God might be using other people and circumstances to teach me, that God maybe wanted me to be doing some things differently. So I think there's great value for us to ponder the words, God is often absent in the ways we most desire, but present in the ways we most require. So it's time to wrap up. I know we've covered a ton of ground, perhaps too much, but these are all little tidbits that I think and pray will be helpful to us when we feel the absence of God. So what I want to do is I want to go over very quickly, just name each point that we've covered in the last two weeks, when we feel God's absence. And as I go over this list, just see if there's something that seems more relevant to you than the other things. And if something seems to kind of create a scratch or an itch, that's the thing I invite you to spend time pondering about and thinking about and praying about. So, where, so for the last two weeks, when we wonder where God is, remember it's a normal experience. Many people have had it, and there's nothing wrong with you. Longings you may have for God may actually be longings that God has placed within you so that when we long for God, it's coming from God first. Silence can be a sign of great intimacy and trust in a relationship. And silence may be a sign of intimacy with God, that God is trusting you with that silence. Make a decision to trust God each and every day. A volitional, intentional decision every day. Explore in your life where there might be issues of sin and where you need to do some self-examination. Be willing to wrestle with God mightily when you have questions or feel that God is absent. Accept that there's a lot of mystery to this whole subject. Remember to turn into the instruments of our faith. Pay attention to the voices around and the circumstances and coincidences that happen. Explore your mental health. And finally, remember God is always present, not necessarily in the ways we desire, but always in the ways we most require. So it's my prayer that some of what we've gone over will be helpful to you and to all of us, wherever we are in our journey in faith, and I hope that by getting into this subject we can be a place where we give permission to acknowledge our struggles in our journey in faith sometime. So let us pray.